0: This is the Scoop Duck Podcast.
1: We were thrilled to receive interest from far
0: and wide and to speak with several candidates who met our criteria. Ultimately, Dan Lanning stood out among the rest. Every game, every story. I appreciate your faith in me, and I promise to repay that faith with sweat in the bucket. Scoop Duck owner Justin Hopkins and Matt Bagley. From 96-1, 580, The Game. Hi, everybody. Back with you for another week. Scoop Duck in hi-fi and uh, the Danimble flying into Eugene after winning a national championship game Monday night. I want to start there because you have a coach that suddenly has a lot more free time on his hands to focus on duck football. You have a program that has something to aim towards, we know what a Dan Lanning team can accomplish. And I, I think you have a lot of hope right now. So, national championship game Monday night. Georgia wins. Let's start here, Justin. What can Oregon learn from this game? What can fans take away from that?
1: Well, I think they're just, you know, taking away the excitement. I mean, you know, obviously when, you know, I think. I think the takeaway is this. Let me reverse. I'll back up. The, the takeaway is this. There was a lot of criticism for coach Lanning, uh, you know, and, and the folks that were lab- labeling him coach part-time because he wasn't in Eugene yet. And, you know, you kind of sit there and you wait and you're like, okay, Hey, this guy's running a program completely on the other side of the country. Uh, you know, how can he recruit? How can he build staff? How can he be paying attention? And, you You know i I do like i'm not going to say that those people are wrong i get what they're saying i understand that but i think really the long play was here i'm going to stay back here and try to see this team through winning it and now that they've won it and you see all kind of the residual effect from it and the positivity and and the outpouring on on twitter and social media and you see the commits and the players kind of get that rejuvenation I think the long play paid off, you know, and I I think that it adds validation to what coach Lanning felt was the right thing to do. Now, is that, uh, you know, is that something that every coach can do? Is that going to be commonplace? Probably not. But I think for coach Lanning, I think he felt like, you know, he maybe owed it to those guys there. I think he's a guy that really feels like, you know, in this young profession, him being a first time head coach, you know, that, you know, might be kind of thinking, hey, all I really have is my word right now. Right. You know, that's kind of what I'm going to have to hang my hat on. And right now, his word is this. A, he stayed true to those players who said, uh, you know, let's finish this thing out. I'm here. Let's let's give it our best. Uh, and B, uh, he shows up to Eugene, a national champion. Now, he wasn't the head coach, but let's be real there. Uh, the, the way Georgia won and the way Georgia got to where they were was largely because of defense, which he led. And so now he gets to go into recruits' houses and kind of <laughs> and kind of make that pitch.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a, suce- a successful pitch. Um, I, I I really like when you talk about how he felt like he owed it to those players because I, I read a lot of criticism and a lot of complaint from fans over the past month, wondering, you know, why don't we have a coach that's fully committed to Oregon? I like the fact that Dan Lanning was loyal and committed to his players. I I, I think the previous staff, the guys that stayed and the guys that contributed as coaches for the bowl game, I think you could say that about. But there were questions about that at the top. And so I I like that that's not going to be a question with Dan Lanning.
1: Yeah, I I just think, you know, again, you know, when you're a, a young coach and you're and you're coming up and you've got your first big shot you know, really all you have is your word, right? I mean, that's something that we used to, (laughs) that used to kind of exist uh, a little more prevalent in this country, not just in this business, but in this country, just staying true to your word. And I I feel like that, uh, you know, Coach Lanning is exhibiting that. I think that's something he's going to lean on during his time at Oregon. I would imagine it's something that he leans on heavily in recruiting. And again, like you said, you know what, the coaches that were on the previous staff, with Oregon that stayed and did the bowl game, no matter what the outcome of the bowl game was, you know, I think it says a lot about those guys too, you know, just coming up and kind of, you know, finishing what you start and, you know, really looking at those players and saying, Hey, look, we want to be here for you. We want to see this thing through, you know, win, lose, draw, you know, let's, let's get after it. There, no matter what the outcome is, no matter even had Dan Lanning uh, and Georgia lost that game to Alabama, I still think you have to respect you know, I think you have to respect the gesture. I think you have to respect, you know, the fact that he was willing to kind of see that thing through because it, it, it certainly would have been a lot easier on Coach Lanning to not be back in Georgia and prepping a team for two of the biggest games of the season, all while trying to recruit and hire a, a complete staff at Oregon uh and i know we're going to get into the staff at oregon but he did obviously an exemplary job at both tasks at the same time
0: which is pretty commendable yeah yeah and flying cross country that's not easy either
1: yeah no i mean you know anytime you're, you're you're going from georgia to oregon whichever direction it's a whole day i mean no matter how you slice it if you're on the plane if you're on a plane for six hours if you're on a plane for However long, by the time you land, by the time you eat, by the time you get up the plane, by the time you get where you're going. I mean, we both know you're tired. It's been a long day. uh, And I'm sure, uh, you know, a guy like him wearing both those hats, he didn't have a day to waste. Uh, You know, he, he didn't have two days to waste, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You mentioned the staff at the very start of the Dan Lanning era. He only had one guy that he could lean on, and that was Don Johnson. Uh, We had him on this podcast. We talked to him and kind of picked his brain on his experience through a tumultuous month. Now the whole staff has been filled out. I think about some names that your readers have clamored for for years, like Tosh Lupoy. I think about a name that popped out to me that we talked about last week on the pod, Adrian Clem. How do you feel now that we know the entire staff? How do you feel about this staff? Um,
1: You know, I mean, I, I think we've all been including myself and yourself, we've all been pretty uh, excited about the coaching staffs that Mario Cristobal has had at Oregon. You know, there have been certain position coaches or coordinators that, you know, we have felt are at or near the top, you know, of the list in, in, in their categories, you know, whether they're an offensive coordinator or defensive back coach or whatever the case might be. You know, Brian McClendon kind of being the latest there at wide receiver coach, most felt he was probably one of the best, you know wide receiver coaches in the country Uh, and and you go and you take a look at this uh staff and again we'll just the two obvious ones you know uh Tosh Lupoi Adrian Clem I I would wager that there's probably no more than two or three schools in the entire country that wouldn't trade out their position coaches for those two guys now for starters I want to say that I consider Adrian Clem an offensive line coach I know he you know, has a, as a, has a co OC title with him, but I consider him the offensive line coach at Oregon. Uh, and, and for me, Tosh Lupoy, I know he carries the defensive coordinator title, uh, which is, which is fine by me. You know, I consider him uh, really just kind of a front seven coach. He's going to be defensive line, defensive ends, maybe outside linebackers. We'll just kind of call him a front seven coach labeling those two that way, as I feel is applicable you know, again, there's probably not two or three schools out there that would trade those guys for their current guy because they're elite at what they do. They're elite recruiters. You know, they've been in the NFL for the past few years. Um, you know, they're going to bring that with the, you know, with their already impressive recruiting resume to to Oregon for us. Those are two of the best hires you could have made. Now, I understand they commanded. The biggest amount of money in the assistant salary pool, but they were they're they're. I believe they're going to prove that they're worth every penny. So, uh, you know, those have been great. Uh, I think the the returns on Matt Powledge so far, the safeties coach, has been very positive. I think the returns on Demetrius Martin, uh, you know, landing transfer Christian Gonzalez, and, and and the and the work he's done already. You know, I think you're seeing the early returns there. I think Drew Merringer, the tight end coach, is kind of a hidden gem out of this group. I think, um, you know, I know he had some, you know, maybe we'll just call it a little bit of a tumultuous time at Texas and, and whatever the case might be there. I think he showed up and bought in and, and really, you know, made Coach Lanning impressed with his work already. So those are just a few off the top of my head. Um, you know, I, I again, I, I just think the way he's assembled the staff, I think, There is, if you go and look at just the defensive roster um, staff wise, and you look at how the duties are spread out and how many coaches there are, you know, I think that it really shows that commitment to defense that Coach Lanning is bringing to Oregon. Um, You know, are there a little bit of questions about the offense? Sure, probably a little bit. But I mean, you know, uh, Coach Dillingham's obviously coming from a a pretty good uh, offensive coaching tree um you know if he can lean on coach clam if he can lean on coach lachlan if he can lean on coach Maringer, if he can lean on junior adams you know his other offensive coaches and those guys can come together um you know yeah is that the biggest question it is but i still think that the floor for that group is still pretty high
0: yeah lots of like in this staff where are they better than the previous staff
1: Uh, Defense. Uh, I mean, I already said it, but uh, I mean, this defensive staff is is absolutely. I mean, and and again, I'm I'm considering Coach Lanning in that defensive staff because we know he'll be very much hands on uh, and and more than likely calling the plays and running the defense. So uh, I consider him in that group. And I think top to bottom, that's it's an impressive group. Uh, You know, don't get me wrong. I I really liked, uh, you know, Marcel Yates from from the previous coaching staff. I thought he did a pretty good job with the safeties. Um, You know, I always thought that Big Joe did a really good job developing and prepping the defensive line year in and year out. Uh, I think Ken Wilson remains one of the best guys at what he does, and and that's why he got the Nevada job. So I think there were some great pieces there, but just top to bottom, I I think this defensive staff is is just absolutely killer. And, you know, in all fairness, it, it looks like Oregon probably elevated itself at special teams as well.
0: Okay, let's flip that question the other way. Where is this staff right now weaker than last year's staff?
1: Experience, thousand percent experience. I mean, there's no real question to that. Um, You know, I think even when you're talking about, you know, just simply looking at Joe Moorhead versus Kenny Dillingham, you know, and I'm, I'm not even talking about uh, you know, play calling or anything like that. I'm saying just look at their experience. You know, Joe moorhead has been doing this for for 30 years, and Kenny Dillingham's been doing it for five years. You know, and and that's a and, and I'm those numbers aren't accurate, but you get my point. They're not that far off. Um, you know, I think you know you look at uh, you know running back coach. You went from Jim Mastro, who's been obviously an offensive minded coach for for 25 plus years, to Carlos Lachlan. You know, Coach Lachlan's new to the game coming up. You know, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But again, when you get into some of those crunch situations, when you get into some of those, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's third and four, you know, just knowing that call that you need to make and being able to do it within five to 10 seconds. You know, those are things that, you know, come along with age that come along with experience. And that's why there's so much value in experience. And, you know, right now, I would guess I would wager that overall, with this staff being relatively young or mostly on the younger side there could probably be a few growing pains and, and let's be fair, Mario Cristobal was still going through growing pains on his own as a head coach, uh, even last year, um, because he didn't have the experience of, you know, a, a Mike Bellotti or, you know, a, a, or, you know, the guys that have been doing it for a long time, um, you know, that have the experience. So that's why there's value there. That is where this, this current coaching staff is weakest um and of course that starts at the top this is coach Lanning's first opportunity to be to be a head coach uh, he's probably going to make some mistakes and and hopefully um you know they're not too fatal hopefully he learns quick from them and you know oregon can press on from those mistakes
0: yeah yeah i mean that that's par for the course young coach young staff i agree there's going to be some mistakes and we just got to persevere through that as fans um You mentioned that, and I can't help but think of the way the transfer portal has been since Mario Cristobal left. A lot of guys dipping their toes in. Some guys saying sayonara to Oregon. Uh, Sean Dollars, kind of the latest in that saga, where he got in the portal Tuesday, then seven minutes later he's out of the portal, and then an hour later hopped back into the portal – how do you feel about this coaching staff and and their ability to handle all of that transfer drama? Uh, I mean, let's,
1: you know, again, there's a lot of times where I think, you know, you and I are talking about current matters and it's important to kind of remove the emotion out of it, right? You know, when Mario Cristobal was announced as Miami's head coach and moving on from the program, regardless of who Oregon hired, okay whether it's dan landing or pick your name it didn't matter there was going to be attrition right we knew that we knew there would be guys that decided not to return to oregon for various reasons okay um you know so right now if i if like you know in, including the fact that sean dollars is is in the portal he finally made up his mind apparently um uh, it's been minimal activity on that front it hasn't been like oh everybody's jumping in the portal all these guys that you know, are from Florida are jumping in and heading back to Florida, you know, all these, all these other guys that didn't play as much are jumping in the portal looking for the next opportunity. Um, that hasn't happened. You know, there's been a few here and there, DJ James remains out there, obviously just visited Miami. Uh, you know, Sean Dollars did jump in the portal. Um, you know, we knew, we knew Micah Pittman was leaving obviously a, a little bit during the season there, uh, about two thirds of the way through the season. So, for me, there's been no red flags. There's been a couple of, you know, okay, was I surprised that Sean Dollars hit the portal? Yeah, I was a little surprised that Sean Dollars hit the portal. But so far, I haven't been surprised at the number of people that have hit the transfer portal. I think I think Coach Lanning's done a tremendous job uh, keeping that roster intact.
0: Okay. Um, how do you feel about this staff in recruiting? Because I, I think that might be an even more uphill climb. Uh, as far as recruiting goes? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, here you and I are, well, I don't want to say the 12th or something like that, and you've got about three weeks left in in this recruiting cycle. And and that doesn't include transfers. Transfers can go, you know, into the summer or however far you want them to go. It's just a matter of who jumps in when. Um, but as far as the prep level, JUCO level, you got a few weeks left. Um, uh, whatever the hard number is, okay, we're, we don't always know the hard number, of scholarships we can usually get pretty close within one or two right now with the guys that have signed okay at oregon which was seven in december um and with the current uh transfers there's three transfers there's bo nix there's christian gonzalez uh you know coming to oregon already so you've got three guys coming in uh to play Oregon and sam timani sorry that's the third one those three guys coming to oregon um i think you've got Somewhere between two and four spots left right now, uh, which, and what that means is you got two to four spots of guys that you can go and get commitments from and sign, and that doesn't matter if they're a prep, a JUCO, or a transfer. You've got like two to four. Now again, that number can change. Maybe you know another player hits the portal. Maybe three other players hit the portal. Then your number keeps getting bigger. My point is this: there's not a lot for for Dan Lanning left to do. He's got a few spots that he really needs to find some guys at. I think defensive back, both safety and both corner, uh are 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 a position uh that Oregon needs to find a little bit more help at. I think that defensive line they could probably probably use another edge type player. Uh Sam is going to come in and play nose tackle. He's going to he's going to kind of fill up that middle for the Ducks, but I think they could use an outside guy on the defensive line. But again, my point is this, I think you've got maybe three to five spots left of guys that you can take uh, in this 2022 cycle. Um, The more that you take, you know, above whatever your scholarship number is, which I'm going to guess it's somewhere between two and four, obviously a current Oregon player is going to have to leave. So I would say if you're taking a transfer, uh, potentially, you know, it better be a really good transfer because you're more than likely either going to you know, push out a guy by taking him or, you know, somebody's going to opt to leave because, Hey, you guys are bringing in, you know, this guy, he plays the same position as me. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find playing time somewhere else. He's obviously your guy. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of navigating for coach Lanning. He's got to understand that that risk exists if he does hit the transfer portal. I don't think he, he can go out and sign, you know, 10 to 15 guys, because as I've just illustrated, if you go sign 15 guys and you've got room for five and those are close figures, you're going to have to get 10 players to leave your program one way or another. And now maybe that's something Mario Cristobal was prepared to do, but he was also, uh, you know, a veteran coach here. It wasn't his first year. He wasn't just walking in, you know, he had a little bit more ability to do some of that, uh, part of this deal when you're a first year head coach like Dan Lanning just walking into the program. I mean, he's been on campus for two days now. Right. Um, you, you just don't have that goodwill yet. You know what I mean? If you go and do that, and you, ups, you upset the balance, you upset the chemistry and you haven't even started spring ball yet. You know, you set yourself on a on a negative trajectory. So I think he's trying to avoid that. I think he's playing it smart. He'll get a few guys understanding maybe a couple a couple more guys might go uh, away from the program. Um, and I think that's kind of the de- the delegate balance that I've talked about already.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, a really good point. You know, with, with Mario Cristobal, he had the, a chemistry with the locker room that wasn't just like a natural gift. Partly. Partly. Yeah. I mean, he had a rapport with his locker room that he earned, but it was also just based on the experience that he had at Oregon, right? These players trusted him. They knew him. They'd practiced with him or, or played for him for years. And if, if he could go to, say, a third-string quarterback or a fourth-string linebacker or the backup kicker and say, son, I, I think you'd have a better opportunity elsewhere, I, I think they would trust that and, and believe it and act on it in a, a more positive way than with dan lanning right now like i think you're gonna have some players leave that maybe didn't need to leave and you're gonna have some players um react if other players leave it it could be messy for year one you know but that's what happens when you have a new coach
1: yeah and i think a perfect example uh just to kind of illustrate what we're saying or you know kind of just the point you know uh, let's talk about the defensive back group that's where i've said oregon needs a little bit more help right i think they could use another safety i think i think they could use another corner either at the prep level or at the transfer level either way they could use another body and not just a body but somebody that they feel could play well right now there's there okay there were three starting caliber colorado defensive backs in the portal oregon already took one in christian gonzalez let's say they take mark perry the safety that's in the portal uh, and let's say that they, they take uh, Makai Blackman, who's also in the portal, uh, but all three of those guys play at Colorado. if you go bring in three Colorado guys with Coach meat on your staff, those current guys that have been at Oregon are gonna kind of say, hey coach is just bringing in all his guys, you know he's just gonna play those guys. I'm gonna bounce. and honestly, can you you know you put yourself in that Oregon player's shoes, put yourself in in Dante Mannings shoes or Triquest bridges shoes or or you know let's go down the, the list there you put them in their shoes and say, hey, they just brought in three, guys that this guy coached over here that started over there you know i'm probably not going to start and so there's a delicate balance in there sure maybe you would like all three of those guys but there Mm -hmm. is a risk if you bring all three in that you know your guys might get a little gun shy Mm -hmm. uh you know the point is to add more bodies to it and if you add more bodies and guys leave well you haven't added any more bodies you've simply moved sideways so I think that's what you know oregon is is trying to avoid i think that's what coach coach lanning is trying to avoid you know it's all about that delicate balance let's build up this roster let's build it the right way but let's also make sure that we're keeping these guys in eugene and not having to go out and work twice as hard just because we brought you know somebody else in
0: okay um i'm i'm thinking about some more questions i can throw your way now that the landing era is starting up in Eugene. I don't think I asked you about Robbie Ashford the last time we had a pod. You want to talk about the quarterback battle? Uh yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good topic to talk about. Okay. Sure. So um Bo Nix transfers to Oregon, played at Auburn, played against the Ducks two years ago. Um and then Robbie Ashford ch- jumps into the portal and uh and leaves Oregon um I I'm curious with a few months before spring ball does Bo Nix have the keys to the offense or is that going to be a a pure quarterback battle everybody gets a shot
1: well I mean this is going to be Dillingham's you know uh first big test you know really is and what I mean by that is managing that room right making sure that You know, just because you brought in Bo Nix, that Ty Thompson doesn't jump in the portal right away or, you know, uh, Jay Butterfield or whoever. Robbie Ashford jumped in the portal, right? Kind of a bummer. I know he was a fan favorite. I thought there was some upside there. You know, still had a little ways to go. Um, Probably obviously wasn't ready yet, but I think he's a guy you would have liked to have kept around ultimately. Uh, But he jumps in the portal. I don't think anybody can blame him. Uh, the key now for, for coach Dillingham, coach landing, et cetera, is just to make sure that that doesn't keep happening. You can't keep losing quarterbacks. I, I believe, you know, and again, now you got to go back, you know, they didn't just hand over the keys, uh, you know, uh, at Florida state, you know, I mean, they, they've been in this position before. I think Bo Nix has the leg up. I think his experience, I think his upside, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of things that he's going to bring to this program that quite frankly, I'm not sure, you know, we're here yet. You know, I like Anthony Brown. I love what he did for this program, but I think, you know, it, it sounds like if you were sitting Anthony Brown, uh, you know, in the team meeting room and asking him to dissect the defense, I'm not sure that that he would be comfortable doing that. I think Bo Nix is probably a lot more prepared on that front and, and going to bring that to that room specifically. And the other part is, and, and why that it's a relatively safe move, you know, Bo Nix is going to be a one-year guy. I mean, he, he. I know he has two years of eligibility. I understand that, but he, uh, his plans are not to come and play at Oregon for two years. His his plans are to come, light it up this year and get himself, uh, you know, a better draft spot. We'll just call it that. And and I think that's a sound plan, and I think that's totally attainable. If you're a guy like Bo Nix, you're going to look at that offensive line. If you're running. back. You're like, hey, I've got I've got a good pool of running backs. I'm good to go there. If you're looking at the wide receivers, hey, there's talent out there. I'm in good shape. So this makes a lot of sense for Bo Nix. Uh, now so- let's
0: – Oh, sorry. I accidentally cut you off.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it just makes a lot of sense for Bo Nix to come to Oregon. Now, but just to take what I'm saying and throw a different spin on it, Arizona, a different school that we don't have an emotional attachment to, You know, they have Noah Fafita down there, who's a a freshman coming in. Maybe he's not quite developed yet, whatever. Uh, You know, they went and got Jaden DeLore from Washington State. I'm a big fan of Jaden DeLore. It's a great quarterback. It's a good-looking quarterback, right? But he has three years of eligibility left. You bring that guy in with three years left, all of a sudden Fafita's kind of looking like, hey, all right, do I really want to sit behind this guy for at least two years, potentially three years? Totally different structure. And I think, you know, had Oregon you know, gone and, and and let's just say they picked up Jaden Delora and, and, you know, Ty Thompson and, and Jay Butterfield are looking at that two to three year window. They're probably not staying. Uh, you know, they're probably going to jump. They probably jump in the portal at some point, too. So I think Oregon played it right. I think Bo Nix has the leg up. I think Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield that are currently on the roster now, I think they're going to be OK with that. Um, it'll give them a chance to compete. And again, now you've got two guys that are really looking at like, hey, look, if I, develop if i get better this year yeah i'm not starting but guess what next year you know i'm going to be competing for that starting spot i think you're okay but when you get to that two to three year window it totally changes the game with the transfer portal these days
0: yeah yeah and and i was just going to follow up about that you hit the nail on the head right the the, the delora situation in arizona that one could disrupt their quarterback room whereas this situation in eugene if bo nicks is only here for a year and then he goes to the NFL draft, Ty Thompson, you think, and and I I sound pretty hopeful, I feel hopeful if you think this, uh, Ty Thompson will stay.
1: Yeah, I I think he will. And I I think that, furthermore, taking it another step ahead, is that with a one-year guy like Bo Nix, it doesn't scare off your ability to, to go out and sign an elite 2023 guy because a lot of these quarterbacks are looking, you know, hey, a lot of them don't have a problem coming in and maybe not starting their first year, right. But in, in, in today's current college football, you know, these, these top flight quarterbacks are not coming in and wanting to sit for two or three years or more potentially, but they're not wanting to sit for two or three years. They don't mind sitting for a year. You might get two out of them after that, you know, they're going to jump in the portal. So I, again, a guy like Bo Nix, it's a one year, you know, rental. Yeah, I know it it continues the trend of Oregon, you know, not developing a quarterback and hitting the transfer portal market, but it doesn't change the fact that Oregon probably really needed to um because as we've again as we've seen at the NFL uh and the college level, you have to have pretty good quarterback play uh, you know, in order to win. Uh, it, just imagine that Georgia team with Bryce Young as its quarterback. They would have been unstoppable, right? But at least, you know, their quarterback was serviceable, made some pretty good throws, Had made some uh, good decisions with the ball. Um, I, I think Oregon was just looking to have at least that floor of Bo Nix. And if somebody beats him out, I I trust that Coach Dillingham will play him. If Ty Thompson can beat out Bo Nix, and even if it scares off Bo Nix, I actually believe that they'll play him. Right,
0: right. And, and, and I'll offer this, too. It, it sounds kind of obvious, but if that turns out to be the case, where Ty Thompson is the best guy in the room and Bo Nix has to sit on the bench, from an Oregon standpoint, you're not really worried about Bo Nix at that point, right? Like, you're you're not worried about Bo Nix going, well, I'll transfer out, because Bo Nix wasn't in your long-term plans anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, And like I said, at least with Bo Nix, it doesn't impact your ability to recruit. Uh, you know, quarterbacks in the 2023 class, which is a pretty good class of quarterbacks this this coming year. Um, And so, you know, again, referring back to the Jaden DeLora situation at Arizona, uh, look, I mean, Jed Fish is in a different position. He needs to elevate that program. He needs guys like DeLora. He needs to win. He needs to get better. So it's a little different scenario for him. However, you know, his ability to maybe go and land one of those top flight 2023 quarterbacks that might be there for, you know, Two or three, four years, whatever, just took a massive hit. Um, again, in his position, I understand it, but you know, with Oregon's position, you know, I think it better fit getting the one-year rental in Knicks and you're still able to go and get another young guy and let him come in and compete uh, with Butterfield and Thompson next year.
0: Okay. Um, we're hitting the 30-minute mark, which was the milestone I had in my mind for this week's pod just because it's been a crazy week for both of us and we still got a lot of meat left on the bone to talk duck football this offseason, uh, you know, obviously three months before spring practices. Is there anything else that you want to get off your chest right here, right now?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that, that – um, you know, is, is starting to ramp up. You know, we, we were kind of like, it was kind of quiet. And we're just kind of navigating, but it's recruiting. You know, it's kind of, it's down to where we're going to start kicking back up on recruiting. Um, I don't think that this will necessarily be a big weekend for Oregon. I know some other programs, uh, you know, will have some official visit weekend or visitors this weekend. Um, you know, Oregon might just have a couple guys on campus and, and they will not all be official visitors Um, and I, and I know that at least from what I've heard so far, Oregon isn't planning to have, um, a quote unquote junior day, uh, at least at the moment, you know, I think that they're just really eager to get, um, kids on campus as often as they can, whenever they can show up, um, and try and make sure that they're available to get these guys, uh, you know, shown around and and have a good experience with them. So, you know, I know fans are pretty eager about that. I just put out my finish line today. Uh, which is, you know, it, it had five names on it, and I, and there are five recruits that I think Oregon uh, could potentially sign. I'll do that update every every week until signing day um, from here forward. Um, and I think that five is a sweet spot number right now. I know we talked about that earlier. I think you know, with where Oregon is, you got somewhere between two and four available spots. You know, let's say it's four, and you take five, that means one other person has to leave the program at some point. That's a pretty doable number. That's really easy. Um, so I think that's where Oregon's at. And again, there will be some visitors, um, you know, we'll have a chance to, you know, talk about those visitors in the future podcast, because this is the first weekend, uh, that it opens up, um, you know, so for those that kind of tune in and want to, want to listen about recruiting, um, we're almost there. I mean, we're kind of there, like I said, I did do the finish line today. Uh, you know, obviously Oregon picked up Christian Gonzalez, uh, in the transfer portal, uh, the Colorado defensive back. I think that's a an absolute monster get for Dan Lanning. That's the guy that will come in and play right away. You lost your, you know, you know, you lost both your starting corners this year, Mikael Wright, uh, you know, and DJ James, who's who's going to transfer somewhere else, uh, you know. So they needed that guy. Um, you know, so I, I I feel really good about the holes that they've kind of plugged at the moment. And again, I think you know there's potential to be one or two more transfers depending on who's in there. Uh, and recruiting uh, will kick up a little bit. Again, there's only five spots, so it's not like we could talk about 100 names, but it'll kick up a little bit in the next couple weeks, and and that'll be something that we probably cover a little bit more at length uh, in the next couple podcasts.
0: No doubt. Five names and five question marks that hopefully Dan Lanning can answer with authority. Uh, He's Justin Hopkins, ScoopDuck.com, and on three – and I'm Matt Bagley, and this is our podcast. Uh, next week, we'll have a new intro music. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you like the podcast, by the way. And I'll wrap the same way I always do. If you like the pod, share it with a friend that's a Duck fan. Scoop, Duck, and Hi-Fi. Thanks for listening. Go Ducks.